This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. And welcome to all the Brisbane Football Review. It is Scott and Adam with you this week as James is still unavailable. Adam, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Scott? It's good. It's been another busy weekend of football, both locally and internationally. We'll cover it all shortly, but it's almost going to be a two-person show, so I'm really glad you're continuing to agree with me that we, we, we are moving on from that former host of ours. Yeah, yes. Well, like I said, it's uh, we have the uh, have the Sunday show that we've been sort of missing, so it's actually good to sort of reprise that while uh, our esteemed colleague is down. I don't know what he's doing at the clubhouse. Uh, I don't know, but he's brought you a lot of World Cup football, I guess. He's mingling with some great former Socceroos who have made a few headlines, which we might talk about later mm. on. But well, first of all, we'll stick with the plugs actually, before we get to the game. If you get, here we are, the Brisbane Football You can get in contact with us on all our social media platforms. Just look for Brisbane Football Review. And you can find our podcasts at all good podcasting platforms, like an email at brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. And as the name suggests, this is the Brisbane Football Review, Adam. So, well, we both uh, want to talk about the International Festival of the Round Ball, and a certain result on Saturday night. We'll get to that later on. Firstly, we'll cover the A-League women's match on Saturday afternoon at Perry Park, round two between Brisbane Raw and Canberra United. It was a one-all draw between the two sides. Grace Yarley gave Canberra the lead midway through the first half. Larissa Crummer got an equaliser early in the second half. And we'll talk about the conditions later on, but it certainly made it very tough. And in the end, a draw was probably a fair result. Yeah, I think so. I think these are two teams that I think I said it on the um, preview last week is that these are two teams that have matched up very, very well that historically uh, are you know are very, very similar and you know, there's not much between them and this result sort of proved the same, you know, a one-all draw and yeah, you'd, be say, you'd say that you know, either team uh, would not be too unhappy with actually getting a point after what was, you know, a fairly, a fairly, you know, it's sort of a tough game for both sides. You know, as I said, we'll talk about the conditions in a, in a you know in a moment. But uh, yes, yeah, certainly both sides they they did they did sort of go for it. But in the end, it was a star, a star mate. Absolutely. So it was an unchanged eleven for the Brisbane Roy, as you'd expect after their first up win last week. Um, Georgia Beaumont did make her debut later in the game, so player number one fifteen for the Brisbane Roy. So congratulations to Georgia. Georgia, but no real surprises, Adam, that they um kept the same at eleven, but. The conditions meant that the substitutes had to have an even bigger part last week than this week than last week, given the heat. And certainly did that. Margot Rubin came off the bench and looked quite handy in her in a in another really solid second half display. Yeah, it's um it's sort of with with the raw. I think as the season goes on, I think that again we we've sort of said that their best eleven will match it with pretty much any side in in the league. But where the Raw, I think, you know, from past seasons to this season, where there's a lot more optimism is the fact that the depth of the bench is, you know, a lot stronger. To bring a player like Amago Rabin off the bench, you know, and to give a solid, you know, 45 minutes uh, and, you know, really sort of create, create you know, opportunities. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think this is where the raw, I think this will be the difference between sort of, you know, being also rands or you know, being, you know, absolute contenders uh, to, for finals and beyond. 
Absolutely. And the Raw did start this game quite well, didn't they? They had two chances clear off the line. Kennedy Faulkner had an unbelievable game for Canberra. You know, was, at half time, she was very clearly the best player on the park. Cleared two off the line, as I said. And the Raw also hate the crossbar between the, with Larissa Crummer. So they started off the game really strong in that first quarter of the first half, if you like, Adams. And they could have gone up one or two goals, but it was that they weren't able to take it. Then, as you often see in football, Canberra would go down the other end and take a really nice finish from Grace Charlie. Yeah, it was uh, it was a case of uh, yeah the raw the first twenty minutes a bit like the game uh, last week. Uh, against Newcastle, but where they did succeed was they came out firing in the tough conditions, and it was almost like it was almost like that. You now they felt as though they they needed to get that lead uh, early, and yeah, a couple a couple opportunities there. Sean Fry was yeah you know, she could have done any more. However, it was uh, yeah Candy Faulkner's uh, you know last pitch you know clearing off the line almost uh, was you know that, that was just remarkable. What what she did, and then um, yeah, Larissa Crummer, you know, hitting the crossbar. They they could have easily been two 0 up, and you wouldn't have begrudged them. But then you're right. Uh, the first real sort of you know opportunity that Canberra had on goal, and they go down the other end and score in a very sort of scrappy sort of um sort of goal. But at the end of the day, they all, they all go in, and uh, there's a bit a bit of a casualty from that as well. There was, and actually, I said it was a um a good finish. It was a very scrappy goal, right? But that was a head clash between Kasia Lind and. Uh, I forget the, I forget the, the um, camera player. Thank you very much. I was, I was blanking on the name. Yes, it was a nasty head clash. She had to come off, obviously, and we saw that she had ice on the side of her face. So hopefully she's okay. But it was a nasty head clash to a point, and it was a, a tap-in for Grace Yale. And Canberra, they started off pressing really well, and I think they realised in the heat that's not the best idea for them to go with. They started to ease back on that. But they got their goal, and... You thought at that point it was going to be a case where they were going to be able to sit in and defend it, and they tried to do that, Adam, in the end of the first half. But again, I think they all had another one cleared off the line once again after that. So they were creating chances which gave you confidence they were going to get back into the game, but Canberra were also managing the game quite well. Yeah, it was, it was a very, very, very uh, match form. So I thought maybe, yeah, them pressing high as, as hard they did in the first three minutes. I thought that might have been a bit of a misstep. I know when we were watching the game, you know, in in the uh, in the press box, that we were sort of saying they can't keep us up forever. And uh, and it actually sort of um, it actually sort of you know, came apparent that this is where the raw you know were counterattacking and sort of getting getting in behind them um, because of that high press. When they when they're actually able to to escape uh, when when they were pressing successfully, they they were sort of causing a few issues for the um the backline for the raw. But uh, look, Jamila Rankin, Kasha Lind, I think yeah, as a centre back pairing, they 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 seem very very safe as houses. The yeah, like so the goal the goal that was scored like, again, it was a scrappy sort of you know miscommunication and whatnot. But also as well, a lot Hensley handcuff as well. I think was very 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 good again. Um, a, a couple of you know. Dicey moments throughout the game, but again, that's uh, that's going to come. That's going to come with time. It's come with familiarity with the with the players in front. But again, I think uh, she's tracking very, very well at the moment. She made a couple of crucial saves, especially in the second half. I was like, focus on that centre back pairing for a moment because it is Kasia Lind and Jamila Rankin, and it's a second start together in this new looked back four for the Brisbane Roar. I agree. They're playing that. That looks like at the moment probably the strongest unit in the team. That we spoke last week about the front third and how. Crummer and Connors and Fryer and Hecker are combining and how those well, Fryer accepted they're continuing that on and improving on it from last year. But this new look combination in the heart of defence, Adam, it's a real strength for the Brisbane Royal. That looks like a really good combination because you've got the the all round street smarts of Kaja Lind, who's 
been there and seen it all in in football. And you've got the young, young and up and coming defender in Jamila Rankin, who's got some experience behind her as well. But that's a really good combination at the moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I think uh, well and clearly this is, this is their number one centre-back uh, combination. Uh, I, again, you know, we said, we said, you know, you almost, you know, ad nauseum about, you know, Jamila Rankin's, you know, sort of development as as a left, as a left fullback. But, uh, look, I think she she really is coming along as, as a centre-back, you know, and doing pretty much, you know, what, What's what's been asked of her, and I think you know so far, so far so good. Yeah, Raw haven't kept uh, haven't kept clean sheets yet, but you know it's it's, it's still a case of you know they're they're doing you know they're, they're doing a lot of good things right, and uh, and it's and as the season goes on, I think that 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 partnership is only going to get stronger. Absolutely, if they can continue on this form line, you'd have to imagine a clean sheet is not too far away. Do, do I backtrack actually just briefly to? Canberra's goal scorer Grace Yale. We saw last year when she was at Wellington Phoenix in that game down in Wollongong when the Raw travelled to to play the Knicks. She was outstanding in that game, and it looks like once again she's taken another big step forward this year. And it's obviously a huge year in the women's game with the World Cup at the end of it. And based on this current form line, you'd have to think Grace Yale is putting herself absolutely front and centre of mind to be a part of that New Zealand World Cup squad because her form to start this year, not just against the Raw, but also in round one, has been absolutely superb. Yeah, two goals in two games for uh, Grace Yale. Yeah, absolutely right. I think uh, she she will be uh, more than likely she keeps this form up, but she will be in that uh, football fern squad, you know, for their for the home World Cup, especially with the injury concerns around Hannah Wilkinson at the moment. Uh, I, I think also as well. I think yeah, they could do a lot worse than you know, Grace Yale, but her development over the last you know, year has been you know, has been tremendous, and I think she, she's one of the uh, stronger you know, stronger sort of more potent forwards in the um, in the A-League women's at the moment. That's interesting on Canberra. You can see that Grace Shelley's added a lot to this Canberra side. It looks a much more well-rounded team as a threat to you, doesn't it? Last year, it was very much the Michelle Heyman show with a little bit of Nikki Flannery stepping in as well. But this year, they've seemed to have more outlets and more threats. And also, at the back, they're much stronger as well. Yeah, and you should sell as well that you know Grace Yale gave Animal Hafford an absolute you know nightmare for for pretty much for sixty minutes, and uh, like I, I have sort of you know, spoken concerns that you know the inexperience of um of, of Annie in that right back role, she's still learning that that role, and a, a number of times you know she got did get caught out, and when they, especially when they're rotating Michelle Heyman and. Uh, Nikki Flannery and Grace Yale, they're rotating that front three and all three seem to have uh, success coming down that right side. I know Annabelle is trying to, you know, get forward a lot of times, but she doesn't seem to be, you know, you know tracking back as quickly or getting caught out uh, a lot more. And that, that became apparent. I think Canberra really made, you know, efforts to target that side. That uh, that side of the pitch. Uh, so it was a tough day at the office for her. It's a bit like a bit like you know Anna McGrath last year. I think that you know I think over time I think uh, Annabelle is a good enough player that you know she she will learn that role eventually. But in the meantime, while she is learning it, there are some very very dangerous wingers out there and dangerous forwards that can really exploit that. That's something that you know that the Raw need to be very mindful of. That you know that yeah, you know, it's one thing to try and get to learn that position. But also, as well, you don't want to, you know, overexpose her as well. Absolutely, I think it's. I think it's. And this weekend is more a case of Canberra really strong in the wide areas, as we saw with the the players they had in those areas that were trying to exploit that, as opposed to identifying a potential weakness in the opposition. It was more using their 
own strength. One last thing before we took, move on here from what Gareth McFerson had to say. Adam, what's about Holly Palmer in the middle of midfield? A player who doesn't get a lot of plaudits, but I thought her performance in there, in a game which was so stretched because of the heat and the and the fatigue factor, I thought she was outstanding in midfield as well. Absolutely, yeah. Like I said, it's a thankless job that playing that number six role uh, in that sort of defensive midfield role. Her and Ishnori both, but Holly really did stand out uh, in this game. I thought she had probably one of her best games, you know, in a number number of seasons. I think for for the club, I think you know she she controlled the ball well. You know, you know, pass range of passing was very very good, and uh, yeah, it's good to see because I think it's an important year for for her. I think you know she. Like I said, she's always been touted as, you know, as a player. It's a huge prospect as a young player. She's getting a little bit older, but she needs to start actually, you know, putting in those consistent performances every week. And, and like I said, if she can perform like this, you know, the majority of the time for the rest of the season, I think she's going to be she's gonna be very, very valuable to the squad, as she is already. Absolutely. So that's what we thought of the game. Now let's hear what Gatham first had to say, talking to the media after the game. We'll be back right after this. You mentioned the heat today it was very, very hot. Yeah. Given you play a lot of games at that time, the 2 p.m. kickoff, Queensland, would you like to see some games pushed back so you don't have to play in the heat uh, all the time? So it must be incredibly t- hard for the players. I'd be honest, I'd prefer, I'd prefer to play at 9 in the morning uh, if we could. The, having to stop a game every 15 minutes just to give them hydration so they don't collapse um, probably suggests it might be a little bit too hot to be trying to play professional sport. And they won't... They won't give up and they won't stop running. None of the players in the comp will. So you saw kind of at the end, and I haven't actually seen how Shay Connors is at the moment, but just physically exhausted. Um, and that's they've prepared as best you know as you possibly can. They they've hydrated. We, we've built our hydrate. We knew it was going to be hot today, so they've planned what they've eaten the last three days, how much fluids they're taking on board, and they're still absolutely drained. And, and, the flow-on effect is I think if you keep pushing those week after week, the performances, you know, they, they, they keep kind of dropping because it takes longer to recover now. And then you're a bit more fatigued for your next match and a bit more for the next match. So I don't know what the solution is. I know it's a lovely time slot. Like all the families come here and there's so many benefits to it. Um, I just wish we could turn the heat down, you know, five degrees. I think the wet bulb said it was about 35 out on that pitch in the conditions. Be nice, so good. Um, the way the game went, you created a lot of chances early on, yep. and they got the goal. Do you think it was going to be tough then, given the conditions? That it would be tough then for, to get the goal back, given they were going to sit in after that? Yeah, I'm, I'm so proud of, of the team and, and, and the, the players for uh, just seeing, you know, coming back out and just seeing it out. And, and, and to Canberra's credit, I mean, they created chances in the second half on the counter or via longer direct passes and could have hurt us. But we spoke at half time that. Our job was to come out in front of the home fans and, and get ourselves back into the game. So the fact that we did that is really pleasing. And I still, um, we're doing that bringing on some of these younger players. Aaliyah Deverne comes out, Georgia Beaumont makes her, her debut for, for the wall. Uh, Jesse Rashard com, comes on. So Margo's out. So we've made four changes across that second half as well. Um, and it's great to see our game changes helping there. And, and actually, yeah, they're changing the game. That's what Gatham first had to say after the game on Saturday afternoon there. Adam, now that we are, is one thing which we have hinted at you know, for, so far in the last 10 minutes but haven't spoken about ourselves, and that is the heat and the conditions on Saturday afternoon. It was very, very warm, to say the absolute least, at Perry Park for this game. It was a game which was played in almost 15-minute increments, wasn't it? There were drinks breaks scheduled for 15 
and 30 minutes, and I think, then again in the second half as well. So it was very stop-start. It was very difficult to get a flow in the game, and it does seem like it wasn't the ideal conditions for a game of football, to say the least. The, th- the thing that I have a real issue with this is that this is not it's, – it's scheduled like this. And the Raw have you know, the first five rounds of the season. They have four games in that 2 p.m. 2 p.m. You know, Eastern Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Daylight Saving Time. As as do two other two other games as well at the same time. I I, I for life of me do not understand. You know, it doesn't take a genius to 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 get it that that you know, it's a case of in November December, especially here in Queensland. High, you know, it doesn't need to. It doesn't even need to be, you know, 32, 33 degrees, you know, air temperature. It can be 25, 26, but the humidity is what, you know, what also makes it. So why um, the APL are scheduling these these games uh, at this time, knowing full well that the, the likelihood is it is going to be a very, very warm and oppressive day at that time. What? Why are they doing that? Is it is it for the sake of their of their uh, fake red zone show that they, they have at the moment or you know is it because you know channel 10 tell them that you know oh that's what time slot we have on 10 play i, I thought the, the the game the the product itself and that's the match it should be you know paramount of all you know pardon the pun but yeah like i said forcing the, these women to play in that those conditions all because of the sake of oh we need to do it for television or you know we need it because we we don't want to clash with the with the you know with with the uh, men's a league which at the moment there is no men's a league because they're on a break it's not like oh they just miraculously found out about it. they've known about this for you know for a year since the draw came out, so why are they playing these games at the, in these in this time slot? You know, it's just it just bewilders me. And then, it, it, I, and then I look at a player like a Shay Connors who actually had to come off, you know, like because of you know suspected heat stroke. Like she, she, to a standstill, didn't yeah. she? Like she she's one of she's one of the most exciting players, you know, if not for the Raw, if in the A League. Yet you know she she's you know basically running herself to an absolute you know to to a standstill. All because of it's in this heat, and she's not going to stop. And I don't, and that's the one thing we admire about her. She, but it, it can't be a good look. It just, it just can't. And I know, I know. They see, it's done this season, but really, really need to think about. You know, oh, I know that. You know, we all do talk about you know quality and whatnot with the A League men, the A League women, and whatnot. But look, it has got to be a player welfare issue here involved in this. And you know, I know that the PFA sometimes they can take pot shots and other things, but they that they stay silent on an issue like this. Like, come on, you know. I just think, yeah, like I said, it the product is suffering because of it. Like that that game could have been you know, leagues better if it was played at a more appropriate time in more appropriate conditions. Yeah, look look, Shay Connors is also one of the fitter players in the Brisbane mm. side. You very rarely see her come off the field for for, for fitness issues. So it's very um indicative of just how hot it was out there. And the interesting thing is, people will, people will say that this is an advantage for the Raw playing all their home games in this heat, and that they can make a make it part of their home ground advantage that teams have to come up here and play in the heat. I don't strictly buy that in this case because as an opposition team, if you're Canberra or Melbourne or Sydney or Adelaide or whatever coming up to Brisbane, you can prepare yourself one week right this week. We know we're going out to Brisbane. It's probably going to be much warmer than we usually 
play. We'll deal with it. We'll prepare for it. We'll ease off in the training slightly and we'll ensure that the players are ready to go. But if you're Gareth McPherson and you've got all these games at 2 p.m. Queensland time in the heat of summer, it does impact, I have to imagine, it impacts the way you go about things because you can't play I can't play a certain way at 2 p.m. because I was just going to run out of legs. So, and I don't think going to Redcliffe for the next couple of games are at AJ Kelly Park, so it should be a little bit cooler, but not a great deal cooler. I think there needs to be a bit more thought given to the 2 p.m. window. I understand that they wanted a exclusive window for daily league women's games to be shown, given that there was no free-to-air coverage on television this year. It was all streamed on Template and on YouTube. So they wanted to do something to make sure there was a, a very clear window where people go and watch these other women's games. And people should be watching these games because they are very good. They're great, it's great entertainment and great quality of football on show. But I don't know that 2 p.m. in the heat of summer is going to be the right window for that if you're looking for pure football quality. Absolutely, and that's that's like I said. I I, t- I take off my sort of my my raw coloured glasses, and I I think just from a league point of view that how that it just that you know again wouldn't isn't the product on the pitch, isn't that isn't that the most important thing? And I just even like I say even a you know like there's there, there's some games that okay it was sixteen seventeen degrees in Melbourne, but that's that's more unseasonal than seasonal. Like I, I, I haven't I haven't looked at the forecast this week for the Royals game against Melbourne City, but again, I don't think it'd be that comfortable. And this whole thing about oh, it's an advantage for for the Raw. I think it's one thing to say, yeah, it's great as a Raw Raw supporter, you say, oh, great, you know, we've got we've got the conditions to our advantage. But don't you want to see the opposition play at their best to beat the beat the best? You got to beat the best rather than using the excuse of the of the you know of the oppressive heat to to, to beat teams. And then you know, be get found out late in the season when is a return leak. Like I just, I just, and I think that's actually a problem that the men suffer from as well. That you know that that because that we and we saw it last season and, and even the season before where it was interrupted by the you know by pandemic and whatnot. Is that you know the raw would, would win games basically because the opposition just did not handle the conditions. You know, from a football, from a you know, a full sort of you know league perspective. That's not what you want. You want both teams to be at their best and may the best team win. And I just think, you know, it's not 100% unavoidable, but when it's been scheduled the way it has been, I just think that there's more thought about the entertainment aspect and, you know, and having that exclusive window more than the actual welfare and the, and the quality of the product they're putting out there. And I think that's wrong. And hopefully, it's, I don't think it's going to change for the rest of the season. It looks no. like it's locked in that it's going to be that 2 p.m. Eastern, well, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Queensland time is going to be where the majority of games are played. And unless you're playing in Wellington or in Perth, which obviously have their own separate, I think Wellington also kicks off at 3 p.m. New Zealand time. So that's a the standard kickoff time. Perth obviously a bit later because of they're even further after that fact. So they have a different kickoff time. But I think it's going to have to be the way it is this year. But they might need to look at it in terms of is it the absolute best way they can do this. I know they're balancing a lot of things here that they want to have as many windows as possible for the broadcaster so that they can show these A-League women's games and they can show the A-League men's games as well. But I just wonder if they've got that balance 100% right. Anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, So one one last point on that, just just to clarify. Look, I I praise the APL that at least they're trying. I just think this this one's been, haven't been, 
hasn't been thought out fully. And that, that's it. But look, I appreciate they're trying that they're, they're trying to do things which has got, got to be better than just doing nothing at all in the status quo of previous seasons. But I just think this one may be a little bit ill thought. And, you know, we may need a whole season before they realise they, they may have got it wrong on this one. But we'll see. Absolutely. So before we talk about this weekend's game against Melbourne City, every week, as you know, we do give out our 3-2-1s for the, our Brisbane Football Review Player of the Year. One person makes their vote public. And then that is me this week. So for me, it was three points for Jamila Rankin, two for Holly Palmer, and one for the goal scorer, Larissa Crummer. So that was our 3-2-1s this week. Adam, this weekend is Brisbane's first road game of the Allegheny season. They're off to Melbourne to face Melbourne City, as I would say, beat 1-0 away from home last year. What chance do you give them replicating that result next year away to a Melbourne City side who've started off the season very nicely? Look, I give them a good chance. I think, uh, look, this is going to be a really good game. Uh, Melbourne City are certainly showing that, you know, they're, they're as you as you know, services normal service is resumed, that they are the... Um, yeah, uh, they're one of the heavyweights in this competition. Uh, but I think the Raw have also got a point to prove that you know they belong there. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, Melbourne City are coming off a bye, and also and also as well, they have a new coach, uh, same last name, just different first name. Uh, Dario Vidovic takes over because Rado Vidovic is currently the interim uh, Melbourne City men's coach after the departure of Patrick Cusnorbo. So. I don't know if there'll be much change uh, as far as that, you know, the whole, uh, you know, coach debut, you know, factor and all. I don't know if that's going to be such a big thing because I think Dario has worked with that side very, very closely. And But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I, I actually think that the uh, the Raw can, can certainly, you know, seal all three points here. Well, it's interesting. Raw, uh, City are coming off the bye, but they had a good result away from home in round one. Congratulations to Paddy because he's an one a richly deserved opportunity to go and test himself in in a top five league over in Europe. The first Australian to coach in one of the notional top five leagues. So congratulations to Paddy. Hopefully he can do really well over there and open up the door for other Australian coaches to follow. But Dario Vitic comes in. He is, he, I think he has been doing his badge, so it's not a completely out of, out of left field suggestion that he's going to be in, to coaching the team, at least in an interim capacity. But it is his first taste of, of um, professional coaching so I do, I do think that does give them a bit of an advantage. And like you, I think they're well set here to go away from home. And I'm sure that will be something they're looking forward to as a group. We know, You know the players always enjoy an away trip where they can spend more time together. So I'm, And this is their first real chance they've had to do that. So I imagine it's something they're all really looking forward to. And they could almost galvanise them and bond them together to go and get a result. I think it is actually possible. I know Brisbane Raw's record against Melbourne City is spotty to say the least. It's the... It's been their bogey side since the city came into the competition, but I think they do have an opportunity to go down there and get a result. And that, and actually, is the case they get more wins away to Melbourne than they do up here in Brisbane. So I think I'm with you. I think they do have a good opportunity, but they're going to have to go down there. They get to play their best. Yeah. If they're not at their best, I think it could be a, a tough afternoon. But if they take their best game that we've seen in the first two weeks, I think that can cause them some real trouble. And the form Larissa Crummer is in in that front in particular, Adam with a point to prove herself that she, she does deserve to be in that Matilda squad still, I think there's a real opportunity for the Raw to go in there and capitalise on that and get three points. Yeah, I just think Raw, uh, just this, this current side at the moment just feels so well-balanced. The only, as we sort of um, 
point point out. I think the only concerns are actually those fullback positions, but the spine of that side, you know, the the defenders, the, the midfield, you know, have got plenty of plenty of you know options as well. And to think that you know Katrina Gorry has to still come back into this is side and that that front three, I think you know can really if they can take the opportunities can really turn it on. I, I think that you know it's a very very well balanced side. So I, I give them every chance. But you're right, I, I agree that you know if they don't show up. Uh, Melbourne City have got the potential to put them in the sword. So I think it makes for a very, very you know, interesting uh, round three clash down at Casey Fields on Saturday. Absolutely. Um, Katrina Gore obviously will be unavailable for the first four weeks of the season, so she won't be playing this weekend either. You imagine it's probably going to be, once again, a unchanged 11 to stick with the same mm. team that's played so well in the first two games. Yeah, and I know they deserve it. They, they deserve to be there. I don't, I don't think there's too many. There's certainly not any players that are struggling unless there's an injury or whatnot. And I also think that's probably not, no players at the moment have sort of, you know, come on. Maybe Margot Rabin, um, there, she seems to be a like-for-like, like, you know, with, with Mario Hecker, whether they, they start Rabin and uh, and bring Hecker on, you know, for the second half, that might be the only change. But there's sort of, it doesn't seem to be much change at the moment. I think it's a very, very settled uh, first eleven. And uh, and yeah, and I think they should they be should give them the opportunity to continue on their good form start the season. Absolutely, I wish the Auburn all the best of luck down in Melbourne this weekend. And just very quickly, the A League men's side, as I said last week, they are back in training. There's not a lot of news around the A League men's at the moment, given the World Cup, but they are back in training, getting ready for their first game back a week and a week Friday, Adam against Adelaide United. Yeah, uh, yeah, like I said we haven't there again. In- it's very, very hard to get a line on anything at the moment, given there the, the World Cup is on and the men sort of, yeah, they're just coming back after a well-deserved uh, break. And, uh, yeah, look, I, I think it's going to be very, very interesting. I think the the way they look, uh, they go into that game against Adelaide is going to be very fascinating. Well, not only from the Raw's perspective, but how Adelaide also responded. It basically is the season starting all over again. Yeah, you'll definitely so, see the side who have taken advantage of this break versus those that haven't very clearly in the first couple of weeks, won't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I, and that's where you know the two the two Sydney teams perhaps uh, having had uh, had hit outs in that uh, in the Sydney Super Cup. I don't know if that's a if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's that's going to be wait and see because they obviously extended their preparations by another week, probably having a break now, which may leave them a little bit underdone coming into the into the uh, resumption next week. But also as well, that less time away from actually playing football may be a good thing. So you're right. I think this gives plenty of questions you know, going into the resumption of the, of the A-League men about how clubs have handled uh, this break. Absolutely. So we'll talk more about the return of the A-League men's next week. However, we will now focus on the reason why there is no A-League men's. That is the World Cup. And soccer has played their second group game on Saturday night. It was a game that everybody was looking forward to. The primetime kickoff against Tunisia over there, and it was a 1-0 win for the Socceroos. Their first win since 2010 against Serbia. Adam, a drought of something that's over 4,000 days, I think we worked out on Saturday, and it was a Mitch Duke header that got the Socceroos a 1-0 win in this game, and congratulations to Graham Arnold and the Socceroos squad. They played a really good game. We saw against France the first 20 minutes. They played very, really well. Kind of went back into their shell, and this time they produced that first 20 minutes for 90 minutes, and that was what got them over the line. It was an absolutely unbelievable performance from a side which, coming off that loss against France, you could have seen potentially a bit of a dent in confidence. They went the other way, and now they've got their their World Cup destiny in their own hands. 
I think it's the most important thing is that the, your your last statement. They've got their their destiny in their own hands, and and I think it, it was it was a it was a very very good performance. Uh, that uh, yeah, like I said, but a couple of players that you know I know you know, have been much maligned, uh, Mitch Duke especially. Uh, you know, really sort of stepping up the big stage. You know, that was a brilliant header score. I think that, that's a, a a great goal. which really set the set the tempo. But you know. You can't you can't go past how Harry Suter's performance in defence was just sensational. The um the tackle he made in the second half, um where where after after Kai Rolls, you know, was a bit unlucky of the ball sort of you know you know sort of jumped up, hit him in the him in the face, and all of a sudden there was a a, a counter attack on for Tunisia. I can't remember who the player was for from Tunisia, but for for big Harry Sutar to get back and make make a crucial last man tackle and that just epitomized the performance of the Socceroos and look uh, look no matter what happens I think we'll always have this game um to, to remember by um and like I said 1.7 million on TV which probably doesn't even go close to uh, doesn't go close to even encapsulating what the true number was that saw this oh, game well because, north of 2 million people watching when you yeah. can operate live sites and all the rest of it yeah like live live sites like so the one at federation square they got a little bit rowdy they thought it may have been a uh, a uh, victorian labor party celebration uh, more than Could have been both than, maybe so you don't know maybe maybe both but also as well and one thing i want to point out, you know our about you know, on our own patch here, the, the amount of clubs, local clubs here in, in Brisbane and, and I suppose in Queensland that actually had it on had had it on TV, you know, had had all sorts of different things. It's wonderful to see that the football community as a whole, locally at the grassroots, you know, get all getting behind the Socceroos. And look, I guess no matter what happens uh you know tomorrow tomorrow morning or Thursday morning, that uh yeah, I think that you know, you always remember this game. There's been a lot said about those scenes in Melbourne. I thought it was absolutely superb. And actually, those scenes went all around the world. They were picked up by a lot of major countries in their coverage of that game. So hopefully, if Australia do bid for a World Cup, that's the sort of vision they do use. So, hey, there is actually a passion for football here. And there's a great example. I hope they do. hope Football Australia are smart enough to archive that and bring that footage out when required to illustrate points down the road as part of a World Cup. But back to the game. Sutar, you're right. He was unbelievable for a yep. player who's played. Well, that was his second, or third full game. Sorry, in 12 months at the at the um, senior level, to run out two games back to back like that. It's just, it is unbelievable. I have, I've seen he's been linked to a couple of Premier League clubs, and you can see why. But his performance to knit that back four together was absolutely superb. And I thought Kai Rolls next to him. I know he had that slip for you mentioned the attack from Sutar. Rolls had the slip, but I thought those two together. They're really forming a really nice partnership, and that's why they were they were they did take the risk on them. They weren't 100% fit either one. They took the chance on them, and you can see why. Yeah, like I said, the most notable thing, you know, I guess the one that stands out was Kyle Rolls, you know, slipping all that. But you know, that that was only one part of you know what I thought he had a very very solid game. He made made a couple of crucial sort of you know you know, blocks, you know, in the, in the box of, you know, when Tunisia were trying to push for that equaliser late in the game. But, um, but yeah, I just think the whole, the whole spine um, of the side, Matt Ryan was, uh, was very, very good in parts of very, very safe uh, behind, behind in, in goals. Uh, look, Aaron Moy, I think had his, had his best game in a long time as a soccer Jersey. Uh, that whole, actually the whole midfield. 
I thought were um, were excellent. They, and that pretty much what won them the game. They absolutely monstered uh, Tunisia's midfield, which allowed which allowed the Socceroos to really get on the front foot. And uh, look, Mitch Duke up front uh, was as actually Craig Goodwin was was serviceable again, and Matt Leckie as well. So there, I think you know there were eleven players at starter that you know definitely. It definitely sort of deserved our hero status after after the performance, and I see a couple of obviously substitutes also coming on on late to, to see the job out. So they they go into the Denmark game with confidence. Obviously, it's going to be another level, you know, to go up to you know to beat or even get a draw against Denmark. But look, you based on that and the, and sort of you know the, their performance, you know, which may technically no not been the greatest performance. But the, the the heart and you know the heart that they showed, I think that's something you just you, you can't ignore. So you got the midfield was absolutely superb. They completely bossed the show in the first forty five minutes, right? And Tunisia weren't in the game, and that was because they couldn't get anything rem- resembling anything close to a foothold in midfield. And at the second half, they did get a little bit more control, which is why they came back into it. But the midfield for the Socceroos was outstanding. I do want to talk about the front there briefly. We saw Jason Cummins played in the first game. We won't talk about what. James's new friend, Joko Kalach, referred to that performance <laughs> as. But we saw Jamie McLaren come on in the second game here. So you would imagine that if, well, the, the Mitch Duke will certainly be starting up front in the third game. But you'd say Jamie McLaren now is ahead of Jason Cummings, that secondary spot. And he almost he almost got himself an assist as well. So Matt Leckie in the front, I've ever spoken about him. He was outstanding as well. And that combination with Jamie McLaren when he came on was quite good. But... I do. What your thoughts on the front third for the Socceroos? Uh look, I, I think yeah. Like I said Craig Goodwin, obviously continuing, uh, continuing sort of yeah his form from the France game. He's probably one of the few players that could you know hold their head up high after the after the France game, and he he continued on. I think obviously the debate has been has started now about Craig Goodwin. Is that you know is he too good for the A League? You know, but he's he's show, he's showing that you know he is a player that you know can play at. A high level, you know, overseas and uh, two two games, and they certainly wouldn't go uh, unknown. So I hope that Adelaide United, you know, are sort of considering, you know, really raising the release clause on on his contract. He did sign a multi year contract with Adelaide United at the start of the year, but you know, I think his name's up in lights. As are I reckon a number of players that you know are based in the A League. I think they certainly haven't done their chances any harm for those that you know still harbour ambitions to go overseas. And I think that that's a great thing for the A League as well that shows that you know that even though it is a much maligned league I know a lot of people especially a lot of that about 1.7 million plus that were watching a lot of people don't have a lot of disrespect for the A League but you know between that some of the performances that were showing you know during the, the, the Sydney Super Cup as well I think that you know, there's a growing year that you know look the A League you know while it doesn't have the st- it doesn't have the stars that do- that other comparable leagues have across the world it certainly is producing you know some very very decent players and let's just hope that this is that you know performances like this on the world stage is what sort of you know gives respect to our league I see well Craig Goodwin has got a goal and an assist so far in this World Cup so scored two goals and He's been integral in both of them. So certainly he's certainly opened doors to himself. And I think he, he might have been thinking his overseas time is finished. He's been overseas, played in Asia a couple of times. There may now be doors open for him in January for certain clubs in, in maybe a European league that he might have thought, that door's not going to open for me. But on the back of this performance, it very well may do. So he certainly has opened doors. He's not the only one to your point. With the Denmark and Socceroos do play Denmark Thursday morning Australian time in the third and final group, and they need just a point 
to get out of the group for the second time. And after the France beat Denmark in game two, so it's, it's France six, Australia four, Australia three, Denmark one, and Tunisia on, on one as well. So Tunisia are still alive. They'll need to beat France in the last game. But unless that happens, a draw is enough for the Socceroos to get out of this group. And they got a decent record against Denmark if you if you look back against them in the games in in the last decade or so, they, they beat Denmark ahead of the 2010 World Cup in a friendly over in South Africa. They drew four years ago, so we know Denmark are a super team. No doubt about that. We all thought they were going to be the team most likely to top this group. It hasn't worked out for them that way so far, but the Socceroos do match up well with Denmark. Well, and I think the key for them was going to be they're going to have to go into the game thinking we've got to play the same way we did against Tunisia because sitting back and playing for a draw is going to get you beat. Well, that's the first... They've got to go for it, and they've got to play the game to win the game. That was the point I was actually going to make, was that uh, the first things first, they got it. They The whole, oh, let's play for a draw. And then, look, I know, look, anyone that's, that's, that's you know, got half a brain, surely, you know, I know Graham Arnold, I think, he can be much maligned at times, but even he couldn't be thinking possibly, oh, let's set up and play for a draw. That, that would be the worst thing, and that's just inviting trouble. Uh, so they need to go and think that they can beat Denmark because Denmark are going, have to go out there and win. So, so, that, so you know, it's almost kill or be killed, which I think is what, what makes this game so fascinating. I think Denmark, while they lack you know, star power, they don't, they don't have a, you know, a killing Mbappe or you know, the, the, the galaxy of stars that France do, who, thank, who thankfully actually have shown up at this World Cup and broken the uh, World Cup winner's curse. Um, that, but like I said, they have some you know very very you know crafty players. Like Christian Eriksen's probably the star of the show. Uh, obviously, the, his his story as well. It, you know, the story of you know his comeback. I think obviously is what won't be lost. You know, in in this in this World Cup. But look, it's, they Denmark are a very very solid team. Uh, Kasper Schmeichel in goal. Obviously, we know his exploits. You know, for for the Leicester in the past. He's but I'm not sure where he's playing these days. He's I think in he's, France these days. He's yeah. Leicester in the off season. Yeah, so but still, it's a very, very solid, very, very solid team. They, and then, like I said, both games, uh, I think they to, to be on one point up two games. I think they feel a little bit aggrieved because even against France, where they end up going down, uh, they they had their moments in, in in that game. So you cannot write them off, you know. Certainly, and I, I don't think anyone would be you know would be silly enough to write them off. But I also think that Socceroos have to go out there that mentality: we must win. Like forget forget Tunisia, France. Forget forget what's going on there. It has to be we have to we have to win and let's just see where the um the chips lie. We don't want to go stupid and try and you know and go overboard to the point where you invite um you invite Denmark into it. But it's probably better than sitting back and trying to play for a draw over ninety minutes because that that will end in tears. Yeah, you might better if the last fifteen twenty minutes you have to sit in and try and defend a draw. Fine. But don't start that way. Start with the yep. intent to try and win the game. Just quickly, on the other game, France, Tunisia. I think we think France, we all we think they're probably going to rest a few players, probably sit, sit Mbappe and Griezmann and some of their top-line players. Do you give Tunisia any chance based on what we saw on the on the weekend of getting a, getting a win against France, even if it is the second or third string French team? No. No, everything. Uh, well, I say no, but there's been some very, very you know, shock upsets you know, since we last we last recorded. Uh, well, this but, would top the lot if it happened. It would, yeah. And they, but even look, the thing with this French, this French team at the moment is that their their B team, 
Like you, you take out, you take out Mbappe, you take out Griezmann, you know, at Dembele. They have still got some world class players, you know, in that in that next eleven players. So I, I still think that you know Didier Deschamps will be, even though he, you know, would be resting his his absolute star players because obviously some big games coming up. I think that the the sort of the the players, you know, I guess 12, 12 to twenty six, whoever he selects to to uh, relieve those players, I think we'll still get the job done. So I I, I expect France to win, because um, you're right. If Tunisia beat France, well, that would just that just throw everything amongst the pitches. And and almost you'd say, you know what, if Australia get knocked out because of that. What can you do? There's nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. So, but as you said, the top of the segment, Australia have got the the destiny in their own hands, and let's see where where it comes uh, on Thursday morning. And it's just exciting that going into the third group mm-hmm. game, the Socceroos genuinely have a a serious chance to get through. Probably the first time since 2006, 2010 was yep. always a long shot. They had to have a a thousand different things go their way in that to get through, and none of them did. Obviously, well, they won, but nothing else went their way, but this is their best chance in 2006 of getting through, so fingers crossed they can put in a good performance on on um, Thursday morning to do that, but France are one of three sides who do have the luxury in the third group game of resting players, I think Brazil and Portugal are the only other two sides who are guaranteed their spot in the knockout round, so they're, they're three sides, you would say, who've been at the top end of the World Cup, if we just look at the rest of the tournament briefly, those three have probably been three of the standout teams, Argentina getting back to their absolute best after after their first up shock loss to Saudi Arabia. They beat Mexico. And Germany is just starting to tick over a little bit as well. So the big big nations are coming to the boil, but it's those three who have the luxury of now looking ahead to the round of 16. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but again, with with Brazil as well, they, they, then that's a Neymar-less uh, Brazil at the moment, he, he's he's out injured, but still the, the amount of the male strike power, amount of you know talent they've got coming in play, they they can play a second string team. They they will still do some damage. Uh, look, that Cameroon, talk that group, Cameroon and Serbia last night. That was uh that was a fun little game that one. Um, and I think yeah, Cameroon, uh, they 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 will give their all against Brazil, but I still think that Brazil, uh, we can even you know if they do if Tite does rest a few of his star players. I still think they'll get the job done. Look, Portugal, you know, the, the Republic of uh, Ronaldo, well, that, that marches on. And, uh, and, and yeah, look, I think uh, Spain, that's the group of Spain and Germany. That's uh, very, very interesting, but it's, uh, it is going to be, um, I think Germany obviously will, should get the job done against uh, Costa Rica, who uh, got, who got a win over Japan. I think, um, Japan had absolutely blown it after um, uh, after 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 knocking off Germany. You would think that they, that they would have their um, that their round of sixteen ticket punched. Uh, you know, where whereas all that do is you know, beat beat Costa Rica and they which they 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 would and should have done. But uh, look, it's, it's the World Cup that you know that they absolutely um, they absolutely blew it by rotating. Maybe maybe looking beyond to the third game of Spain and uh, yeah, I think that I don't think they'll find themselves miss out. Well, we'll have to wait and see. But I was going to talk about last two before we do finish up. What did we talk about the the Asian sides because all the all the Asian sides who earned their spot at the World Cup and I emphasise earned <laughs> their spot as opposed to anointed the host. <laughs> all Iran, Saudi Arabia, Japan, Korea Republic, and Australia are all well and truly alive. All except Korea Republic have a win to this point. And Korea 
it's not for the want of trying. They played really well overnight against Ghana, not quite able to get the result. But the performances of the Asian sides here, Adam, there's been a perception globally that Asia is, if not the weakest of the major confederations next to it. Well, they've certainly proven in this World Cup that they can they can hold their own and it exceed expectations of a lot of people because the Asian sides have been outstanding in this World Cup. Yeah, um, obviously the two biggest shocks were Asian teams knocking off their um, yeah their much more fancy counterparts. Uh, look, I wouldn't I wouldn't write off Iran, uh, you know, t- uh, t- over overnight uh, Tuesday Wednesday morning if. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, I wouldn't write them off against the USA and earning a spot into the round of 16. Saudi Arabia is still alive. Uh, Japan, as I said, I think have blown it. But again, you know, funny things have happened. Uh, and yeah, Korea, despite uh, despite you know, a draw or a loss, they, if they can somehow... If they can somehow you know, beat Portugal, again, Portugal with the luxury of, you know, they're, they're through, uh, they, they, may, they may still be able to qualify. So... Look, other than other than the hosts, which uh, they you know clearly they've been you know, abysmal to say the least. I think they yeah, I, they I think scored, uh, though, Adam. they have a goal. Who's that? They scored. The guitar. Yeah, they conceded three, but they scored. Oh, Positive. They? Oh. No, you're right. They've been absolutely abysmal, haven't they? They've, yeah. They've been the one Asian side who haven't quite delivered in this World Cup. The rest have been yeah. quite good. Yeah, like, like I said, uh, and you and you're right. The, the results was talk about uh, South Korea. While while only a draw and a uh, and a loss, like I said they they have really they have really sort of you know, done done well. I, I think I think if you're looking for you know I guess you know disappointments, uh, look I think uh, Uruguay I think you would thought would be would be we've done a lot better than they have. <laughs> but um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, besides that, I think it's it's very very interesting going into the third match day that only only three spots are, are locked in. So that means that it's plenty of playful. And there's going to be some fun football, um, you know, in the middle of the night uh, over the next few days as the uh, round of sixteen becomes um, more apparent. Start, starting with tonight, I think that's probably due to the fact that it's been condensed so much that there's less days between games, so you're getting more rotation and therefore more teams getting results. So Hopefully we see that in the third round of group games of the next four nights should be absolutely outstanding. We might get Alex on later, Alex and Liam on later in the week, Adam, to talk about Socceroos' group stage campaign, whether it ends against Tunisia or, fingers crossed, goes on into around 16. We might talk about that after the game against Denmark. So we won't get a preview, but it's been a really good World Cup so far. It has. Look, um, overall, like I said, again, there's there's the the, uh, sort of, all the anecdotes on the side and all that, but again, the football on the pitch has been has been outstanding. Um, look again, I I I would rather this be in uh, the in our winter, the uh, this sort of northern hemisphere summer. I think we all are, but again, you know, you know, football football has a funny way of you know, despite everything that goes on, you know, off the pitch and you know, and that that still that the game itself it is a beautiful game for a reason, and uh, we are still seeing this in this World Cup, especially. It is the beautiful game, and it was a beautiful result for the Socceroos on Saturday night. Hopefully, they can replicate it against Denmark. Adam, thanks for joining me on the show this week once again. Yep. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, and good night. We'll be back later in the week to talk about the end of the Socceroos group stage campaign, as well as back next week with our regularly scheduled show as the A-League men's season resumes. Talk to you all then.